Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. morning in the presence of the Lord. Well, we're glad you're here this morning. Let me just um, do a couple things this morning that I, I really need to do. I'm going to tell you at least three things, three reasons as to why you should trust him here in just a moment. But before I do that, I'd be remiss if I didn't welcome you to Passion. And uh, we'll talk to you just a little bit later if you're a first-time visitor or a second-time returning guest. And we'll give you some instructions. But we're glad you're all here this morning. We're delighted that you're here. It's good to see you. Some special folks. Brandon Becker's here this morning, one of our missionaries. What's wrong with you, Brandon? It's like 6 o'clock in the morning where you're from, isn't it? Is it, is it that early? Yeah, it's, is it two or three hours difference? Two. Two. All right. That's still early for you. I know you. So uh, he, he, uh, he got up. And where's your wife? Is she back in California? We didn't want to see you. We wanted to see your wife. What's wrong? No, I'm playing with you. Uh, we, we love Brandon and Jen, and they represent us well as they work with church plants all over the, the world, and we're excited about what God continues to do in your ministry. And we support them every month as a church. Some of you don't even know you do that, but every month we send, uh, faithfully send checks to them to let them know that we're thinking about them. And just so you know, 1% of everything you give goes straight into missions, and that's part of that. And we're excited about that. And so, and then also, uh, as many of you know, we've been in Dallas for the last 10 days at the uh, General Conference, Youth Quest and General Conference of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. And I'll talk more about that in a second. But uh, uh, you already knew this, but let, let me just uh, fill you in. Uh, we have one of our bishops here this morning. Bishop Chris Thompson was reelected to the executive director of EVUSA and uh, vice chairman. And so we're proud of you. And they make this their home, and we're like, I, somebody said uh, there, there was this move that came up to consider moving the headquarters to a different place, and, and somebody said, well, what do you think? And I said, I don't want them to go anywhere. They come to my church. Leave them alone. So, uh, you know, I got a hidden agenda. There were a few of those there last week, but anyway, that's a different story. Hey, let me brag on you guys. Um, some of you don't know, and um, last week in Youth Quest, we had, uh, I'm sure it was announced on Sunday, I hope, but... One of our um, entries into that fine arts competition won nationals, which is pretty significant. Our drama team won nationals, and so and had two third place finishers, and uh, and Ashley won third place in vocal solo female, and uh, there was another drama we did that was third place. So some good stuff happened there, and they represented well. But the other thing that struck me was uh, you don't even realize the impact. Uh, I, I think it was good. It's the first Youth Quest I've gotten to go to since I left uh, that role and uh, I don't even think I realized through Youth Quest and, and General Convention uh, how much of an impact you're having outside these four walls. I think we get uh, tunnel vision sometimes and think that it's just about what happens here but uh, during Youth Quest there were 43 individuals from our church that were involved in some form or fashion to make Youth Quest happen all the way from the top all the way down to interns. Uh, Charles Boyd who attends here with his family led the whole thing and it was just a great event and you were re represented there well and then last week for our entire denomination that's a big deal uh, from all over the world people came in and what they saw was passion church leading worship 
um, and working. And so you guys ought to be proud and thankful, and they did an outstanding job of representing you well. But it just shows you that you're part of bigger something bigger than just what you see on Sunday. And so we're excited about that. But let me tell you um, uh, one additional thing and then three miracles just so that I can encourage you to trust the Lord. First of all, I met with the banker before I left, and uh, they have approved the first part of our loan. And so over the next 8 to 10 weeks, the civil engineer is finishing his work, and then we will start seeing dirt move out there. It's going to take a little longer than we thought. It looks like it's going to be about a year-long process. We thought they could do it faster than that, but with some of the infrastructure they're going to do. But we're getting ready to start seeing movement towards the new entry out here on the east side and the new children's center out there. So we're excited about that. And so I encourage you to remain faithful. Now, three miracles real quick, just real quick, and I'll tell you some significant uh, things that have happened over the course of the last eight or nine days that you need to know about. The first one happened on that same day that I met with the banker on Thursday before we left for Dallas. After he left, I went and got a hammer. They're not connected in any way. Uh, just... I needed a hammer. I don't even remember what I was doing. Oh, I was going to go put fertilizer stakes out on these trees out here. And uh, so I went down to where we keep our hammer and opened the door. And when I opened the door, had no intention of doing that that day. Just, you know, a coincidence. Yeah, right. Uh, I opened the door and smoke came out of the room. And an electrical smell, burning smell, that's where all the breakers are. And I ran and got Woody because I don't know what I'm doing about nothing like that and we went in there and we felt the breaker box and it was it would burn your hand and we took the top off of it and the main electrical line that was that comes into this building was almost completely melted and so we called an electrician real quick and he runs up here and he says dude this place probably should have burned down he said that that was bad and so they had to replace the entire electrical box and all that but that's just the grace of god because i i didn't uh, I was leaving for Dallas. I didn't need to do fertilizer stakes. And, and so I walked down there. That was one. Two was on the way back from YouthQuest. Teresa was driving the young people back late in the middle of the night and had a blowout on our, one of our vans. Front tire blowout. And how many of you know that is not a good combination in those kind of vans? And I wasn't in the van, but the report I'm getting is it was up on two wheels and came back down. And so that is the grace of God. That is a verifiable miracle that God had his hand on our young people. And so I'm excited about that. And then uh, you recognize that we still have some folks gone. Uh, some of them are stranded in Dallas. Uh, Derek texted me last night. And um, he had uh, uh, car issues on the way to Dallas. And he texted me last night and said, we stopped in Denton on the way back and had a mechanic look at our car. And the wheel bearings in their car on one of their tires we're just about to completely freeze up and something about, I don't even know what all this means, but a knuckle. Uh, Paul, help me out here. A knuckle. I don't know what that is. Uh, he's a, a mechanic. You know, something about a knuckle in there was broken and the mechanic told him there is no reason why that that shouldn't have locked up on you completely on your drive and flipped the car. He said it could have happened at any time. And so I am thankful that God is looking out for his people. Amen. So you ought to trust him. You ought to trust him. He has our best interest at heart, and I'm thankful for what God is doing. Well, we've been in this series. We're going to wrap it up today, so I want you to get your cell phones out. We're going to do this right. Uh, I went and downloaded. Uh, let's see. i got to get the right one. I went. Oh, wait. i got to open. Uh, uh, I went and got me a, a, a lighter. So since I don't own a lighter, so y'all get your cell phones out. We're going to rock out to a little Beatles. We actually played this at General Conference before service one night. Nobody knew it. So, all right, y'all watch this. Here we go.
I see some of y'all hardcore old school rockers this morning. Oh, yeah, got your little Beatles this morning. Well, uh, the Beatles released this single in August of 1968, as you know. Uh, the song is about seven minutes long. It spent nine weeks on top of the charts here in the United States. It's frequently included of one of the best all-time songs ever, which still just confounds me. I don't get it. But anyway, it's it, this Jude is famous. And so what we've been doing over the last four weeks is we've been looking at another Jude. The Jude that we've been talking about doesn't seem to be quite as famous. Uh, people just skip right over this Jude Jude to go to Revelation. But it we have discovered that, I hope you've discovered that the book of Jude is pertinent and important for us to understand and to read because Jude the brother of James, which means he should probably also be considered the brother of Jesus, although there's some debate about that, but who cares? What he says is, is important. He speaks to the day that he's living in, but he also transcends his own lifetime and speaks directly into what is taking place in our life today. And so um, we, we've talked about that what he does is he, addre- he addresses very, four very specific tactics that the enemy would like to use against us today and we've said that he deals he attacks us with deception he attacks us with distraction uh, he he attacks us with divisions and then today we're going to talk about the fact that he tries his tries to use discouragement you'll remember in week one that I told you that Jude tries to deceive us Um, he he tries according to Jude the enemy will try to get us to walk down the way of Cain which deals with this concept of uh, license where there are no absolutes there is a generation that lives in this day that honestly believes there are no moral absolutes that if it feels good it must be from God and so Jude comes against that and he says listen you got to be careful that you don't believe that deception from the enemy because if you believe that then what takes place is we become like a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah and we allow each person to establish in their own heart what is right rather than believing what God has said is right and he says you got to guard against that don't be deceived he said if you believe that lie then what will take place is the enemy will come along and he will take you to another level of deception which is he will try to get you to embrace tolerance and inclusion where we begin to call evil good and good evil and we we are challenged to to accept everything in the name of tolerance and we we are no longer allowed to apply a godly standard to our lives so that everything goes righteousness is ridiculed and anything goes and he says you can't be deceived like that then I talked to you about the fact that if he can't deceive you then what he will do is he will try to distract you if the enemy cannot deceive you he will distract you so that you begin to pay attention to things that don't really matter in other words we become sidetracked in other words we become like James talked about we become a double-minded man where we're so distracted and so fragmented in our thinking and so fragmented in our soul that we can't pay attention to anything that really matters and we allow things that should not become our focus to cloud our minds and to cloud our hearts and we forget who we are and what we're supposed to be about we become distracted I tried to remind you in that message that 
you are chosen. I tried to remind you that you are set apart because Jude deal, deals with distractions like this. He mentions Balaam. And he says Balaam used distraction. When Balaam couldn't prophesy against the children of God, he came up with a scheme by which they would distract the children of God who were on their way to the promised land. And he encouraged them to, to, to use a means of distracting them. Let them intermarry with your sons and daughters so that they will then begin to worship your gods and they will become involved in sexual immorality and they will become distracted and they will never enter into the fullness. And I told you that if the enemy cannot deceive you, he will distract you and he will cause you to come up short so that you don't live in the fullness of everything. That Man, I'm already preaching week two again. Didn't even mean to. See, our mission is simple and our mission is exclusive and it is this. And I want to remind you again, our mission is to know him and to make him known. That is what matters. Jesus is at the center of everything that we do and so we should focus on that and not become distracted and then last week uh, the third attack was addressed Derek dealt with the visions he dealt with the fact that if the enemy cannot deceive you and he cannot distract you then what he will do is he will get you involved in the visions so that you will separate yourself from people that God intended you to be connected with y'all didn't get that I wasn't here to preach it so let me preach it just a minute uh, come on now help a brother out I, I need to talk about that some of you think that you just don't like folks and you're missing the blessing that God intended to bring through that person to you because you're divided yeah, and so he knows that there are people that God has ordained as, as compatriots and components in your journey to your destiny. And if he can, he will, he will divide you so that he can conquer you. So complainers don't just talk, they kill. Y'all missed that. I went too fast. Uh, hey, complainers don't just talk. When they open up their mouth and they begin to complain like Jude talks about, they literally bring death into the body. And so you cannot be divided by complainers. When you choose to, What you choose to say determines whether you're cooperating with the devil or whether you're cooperating with God. Clicks uh, may comfort you, but they destroy us. How much time and energy is wasted on dividing things that don't really matter or further the kingdom of God and we allow divisions to cause us to be unable to move forward in harmony. I just want to say to you this morning that I'm glad we don't deal with divisions here at Passion. I'm glad we're in this together. I'm glad that black folks can sit next to white folks and white folks can sit next to brown folks and brown folks can sit to next to yellow folks and yellow folks can sit next to polka dotted folks and we can all get along because we recognize that we're in this together. We're not fighting different enemies. We're fighting one enemy and we are in this together. I'm delighted this morning that we had a family come from the apartment complex, which will probably be here in second service. And the lady told me, you know what made me decide to come back to your church? And I said, no, what? She said, I was, she's, she's a, a Caucasian. Uh, and she said, I was sitting several rows back and an African-American family with a little baby was sitting about seven rows up from me. And the baby started crying and they took the baby out of their lap, turned and gave it to a Caucasian family behind them. And they rocked 
them to sleep. And she said, at that moment, I recognized that I was in a harmonious body of Christ. And that is what the body of Christ is. So I'm preaching right now that we're not divided. We're in this together. This is not about skin color. This is not about political agendas. This is about the fact that we are part of the body. And we believe that his kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven. You might as well get along with every race, creed, and color because we're all going to be together anyway. If they name the name of Jesus, they're our family. Woo, I feel good this morning. Dog, didn't even mean to get all excited. I ain't trying to preach Derek's message. He did a good job. So let's wrap this up. Uh, Jude reveals that if the enemy cannot deceive you and if he cannot distract you and he cannot divide you, then what he will do is he's got this trick that he holds back because he recognizes that this trick is one of the most de devastating. It's like his, it's his uh, ace up his sleeve. He holds it in reserve and he brings it when he needs it. And he see because he understands that if we're spiritually prodded, what we will do when you set in a series like this, what we will do as Christians is we will rise up and recognize de deception and we will guard against that. He recognizes that when somebody stands up and say, get focused, get focused, you will go home and you will begin to focus your life again. He recognizes that when people rail against division, you will recognize the attack of the enemy. And so what he does is he, he causes us to walk in week after week with a fake painted on smile on our face and we endure and accept the last attack and act like nothing's wrong because the last attack that he brings against us and he's so effective with is discouragement discouragement it, it, it's the uh, weapon of mass destruction if you will because we never seem to understand or even discern where this internal attack originates from and so we find ourselves for no apparent reason. We can't put our finger on it. We find ourselves discouraged. From all outward appearances, it would seem that there's no reason for us to be discouraged. When you stop and think about it, you, you should be encouraged. But for some reason, so many of us find ourselves down in the dumps. Y'all got quiet on me. Thinking about you, aren't you? I, see, you're... You, from outward appearances, it, it, it seems like everything ought to be great. Your, your, your spouse treats you with respect. Your kids aren't out shooting up and messing up. Your job, although it's stressful, is fulfilling to you. You're surrounded by your friends. Your church is doing its dead level best to provide you with an encounter with God on a weekly basis and to equip you to deal with your daily life. And yet... With all of that going for you, you still seem to be down in the dumps, ready to curl up in a fetal position and pull the covers over your head and turn off the lights. You, you just can't seem to shake it off or rise above it, and, 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 and you're discouraged, but why? Why am I discouraged? What, what is causing me when all of this is going right? We used to sing this old song, Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one. And we do that. We go, oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed because this, this, this. And then yet we still find ourselves discouraged, doom and despair. Even though the sun is shining, grumpy and unapproachable. Don't elbow your spouse. Sulking. Stepping on your own bottom lip. 
overcome by dark clouds in your own mind. And so what Jude does is he recognizes that this could happen. He knew that when you wake up to the dire conditions of our day, that what the enemy would do as a last resort, he would get you to see everything that's going on and take an evaluation of what everything is happening around you, and it would discourage you. Let me see if I can help you. Jude says it like this. He says, see see if this doesn't darken your day. Verse 8. This is exactly the same program of these latest infiltrators, dirty sex, ruling rulers, thrown out, glory dragged in the mud. The archangel Michael, who went to the mat for the, with the devil as they fought over the body of Moses, wouldn't have dared level hit with him or against him a blasphemous curse, but simply said, no, you don't. God will take care of you. But these people sneer at anything they cannot understand. And by doing whatever they feel like doing, living by animal instincts only, they participate in their own destruction. Y'all feel better now? Okay, just one second. I'm fed up with them. They've gone down Cain's road. They've been sucked into Balaam's air by greed. They can't, they're canceled out in Korah's rebellion. These people are warts on your love feast as you worship and eat together. Feeling any better yet? Yeah, yeah. They're giving you a black eye, carousing shamelessly, grabbing anything that isn't nailed down. They're puffs of smoke pushed by gusts of wind, laid autumn trees, stripped down, clean of leaf and fruit, doubly dead, pulled up by the roots, wild oceans leaving nothing on the beach but the foam of their shame, lost stars in outer space on their way to the black hole. Feeling better yet? Enoch, the seventh after Adam, prophesied to them, Look, the master comes with thousands of holy angels to bring judgment against them all, convicting each person of every defiling act of shameless sacrilege, of every dirty word they've spewed out of their pious filth. These are the grumpers, the belly achers, grabbing for the biggest piece of pie, talking big, saying anything they think will get them ahead. But remember, dear friends, that the apostles of our master Jesus Christ told us this would happen. In the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They'll treat them like a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lusts. Feeling uplifted yet? These are the ones who split churches thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them. No sign of the Spirit. I don't know how you read that, but I just want to tell you that's not a pretty picture. You don't, that, those, are not the, that, those are not the passages you put on sticky notes and put up on your mirror to encourage you in the morning. Grumpers and belly achers and, man. The condition of our society is, is not only breathtaking, but hear me this morning, it is absolutely heart-taking. In fact, that is the literal definition of discouragement. Discouragement is defined, it means to lose heart. It means to become disheartened, to lose courage. It means that someone reaches in and takes our heart, takes our passion, takes our enthusiasm, and dismisses it. Discouragement leaves us going through the motions of life with no heart. We sing, we preach, we testify, we pray but with no heart. It's the fact that the joy of our salvation is long forgotten. And Jude says that with all of this going on around us, if we're not careful, what we will do is is we will begin to examine the condition of our day and we will become beaten 
down and we will lose heart and we will become discouraged. It would be easy to give up. It would be easy to throw our hands up and quit. It would be easy to throw in the towel and walk away and say it's never going to change. It would be easy to be like that character in the comic strip that has that individualized rain-filled cloud perpetually over our heads. Discouragement. I mean, I understand it. I do understand that if you're not careful and if you're not guarding against this trick of the enemy that what you do is you begin to examine the condition of our culture and it is simple to become discouraged. When you look around and you see that men are lovers of their own selves, when you look around and you recognize that they, they, they have no love for God, when you recognize that evil is celebrated, when you recognize that righteousness is hated, when you recognize that evil men and, are, and seducers get worse, and not only do they get worse, they continue to prosper. Anybody got a problem with that? I, I, just, I, I need to have a conversation with God because I... I'm kind of aggravated that those that are so nasty still prosper. Ain't nobody else having that problem in here? I'm having problems with the fact that they can, they can do everything against God's word and everything against God. They can shake their finger in our face and laugh, and yet they still go laughing all the way to the, y'all ain't even, kill them all, God. No, that's not what I'm saying. Kill them all. No, I'm not saying that. But it doesn't stop there. When you wake up and you examine the culture and it, and it takes your breath away and almost takes your heart away, you would think that then what we could do for encouragement is we could look at the church. And yet when you look at the church, what you see is you see that so many have departed from the faith and they give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils so that now they believe everything anybody says and they don't read the Bible for themselves so they don't know what's right and wrong. Y'all ain't here this morning. When you see a generation and you examine the church world and you recognize that there's a generation that has no commitment to the oh, it's going to get tight in here, has no commitment to church anymore. We live isolated lives with no understanding or appreciation for the need of relationship. We never seem to recognize that the first, that that typically their first step away from God is usually indicated by their first step away from God's people. Y'all miss that. Usually, our first step away from God is indicated by our first step away from God's people because we are a body. We are connected, and a body cannot live on its own. You've got to be connected. And yet, when we examine the church world, it's easier just to sleep in. We're deceived, and we're dominated by culture instead of being focused on Christ. We're living on the peripheral things. We're settling for mediocrity. There's no push for excellence. We're self-centered. We're self-seeking. We're self-absorbed. We're sensual. We're fleshy. And we express no need for the Spirit. And Jude recognized that when you begin to look around at culture and you find no encouragement, and then you shift your attention to the church, and you, you become even more discouraged by what you see because they ought to know better, he recognizes that the attack of discouragement will be a significant attack on us and can impact us if we're not careful. Hey Jude, what are we supposed to do? I mean, you turn on the news and it's discouragement. You read the newspaper. Well, we don't do that anymore. You get on the internet and read the news and you're discouraged. You flick on Facebook and everybody's down in the dumps. And Jude, what are we supposed to do? Are we, we supposed to let the enemy steal our heart, beat us down, 
Hang on just a second. See, what Jude does is he gives this dire forecast of what would take place, and then he follows up this stormy forecast with a couple of statements that are intended to help us fight off discouragement. He recognized that the enemy, if he came to deceive you, came to distract you, came to divide you, the enemy will come to discourage you because he recognizes if he can discourage you, he can keep you defeated. And so he makes some statements this morning that you've got to tag into and understand because if you can tie into these statements, they'll help you to be encouraged rather than discouraged. Oh, I know I haven't read it until yet. It's verse 20 and 21 and 24. He says this, But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open, outstretched, ready for the mercy of our Master Jesus Christ. This is the unending life the real life then he goes on in verse 24 and he says this to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy Jude knew that if we don't change our focus if all we did was examine our culture and examine the church we would fall prey to discouragement and he said, he, he recognizes that you can't look at all this without losing your heart. So Jude comes along and he says, come on, folks, focus on three very specific things and it'll change your life. Let me see if I can help you. I, I, let me say it like I would say it. Jude is in verse 20 and 21 and verse 24. After giving this dark, gloomy forecast, belly acres and lust-filled people and divisions in the church and immorality in a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 20, 21, and 24, he says this, See Jesus again. I can't even get an amen because y'all get so beat up by life. Jude knew that if we could get our eyes on Jesus, that Jesus has the ability to take the dis out of disencouragement. bring courage back. See, I already told you in week two that we must fix our eyes according to what the writer in Hebrews told us we should fix our eyes on Jesus again. In other words, Jude and the writer of Hebrews are imploring us to get our eyes off the sin in the street and get our eyes off the sinner in the pulpit and refocus our, our, our sight, our eyes on Jesus because he recognized that whoever would be standing here or whoever would be standing out there is nothing more than a man. But he recognized that if we could get our eyes on the man, that, that our focus on Christ would permeate our lives and we would recognize that we're not discouraged anymore because we look to the author and the finisher of our faith and it has an impact on us because see, here's what he he does he says not not here's why you got to get your eyes on Jesus he says because only Jesus can keep you on your feet go read it in the King James he says to the one that is able to present you standing to keep you from stumbling 
See, some of you have been down on your back and some of you have been down on your knees and some of you have been curled up in pain. And Jude says that if you could get your eyes on Jesus, he can keep you on your feet. I got newsflash for you this morning. You do not have the ability in your own strength and power to get back up on your feet when life knocks you down. The only ability you have is to refocus your attention on Christ because Christ has the ability to pick you up and dust you off and stand you back up on firm ground. He can strengthen the weak. That's why in the Old Testament the Bible says that David declared, or it was said about David, that David encouraged himself in a new car. He got a brand new chariot, had spinners on it. And so he's all encouraged all of a sudden. David encouraged himself with a new pair of jeans. You don't understand it. David had, it was a cool pair of jeans it had like stuff on the pockets and stuff and so he was discouraged but he got in no the bible says that david encouraged himself where in the lord the lord is the one that brings courage back into our heart it is the lord that after we've been devastated in that situation david had lost everything lost their families lost their possessions they'd been taken into bondage he was afraid they were going to die all of his men wanted to kill him and down discouraged beat down life his heart is gone he encouraged himself in the Lord. Some of you are waiting for a man to encourage you and we can't do it. Some of you are just praying that the pastor will pat you on the back and tell you everything's going to be alright. I got news for you. I don't have the ability to tell you everything's going to be alright. But I know the one that does, Jesus can make it alright. He can encourage you. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus because Jesus has the ability to keep you on your feet. Not only that, Jude says, he is the only one that can give you back your joy. Jude says that if you will refocus on Jesus, he will present you to the Father with what? Joy. Yeah, great joy. In fact, the King James, I like the way it says it. It says, he will present us with exceeding joy. Now, I'm not trying to steal thunder from the next series that we're getting ready to start next week called Joy Ride. But I just want to tell you this morning that you don't have to be discouraged. I want to tell you this morning that you don't have to be afraid. Yes, the outlook looks bleak. And if all you do is focus on what's going on around you, then, then you're going to be discouraged. It may look storm-filled. But you've got to know that if we would simply focus again on Jesus if we would simply look to the hills from whence comes our strength if we would change our outlook and focus on our Savior rather than on our society that's consumed by sin well, then if we would look at Jesus he would present us with exceeding joy I have some questions when is the last time you looked past your neighbor to Jesus? When is the last time you looked past the worship leader to Jesus? When is the last time you looked past the pastor to Jesus? When was the last time you looked past the person three rows up from you that rubbed you the wrong way to see Jesus? Have you seen Jesus lately? We used to sing, lift up your heads. Your redemption draws nigh. If you would ever lift your head up and see Jesus, then the joy of your salvation would return. Why can't you keep joy when you're looking at everything else? Because everything else is not what gave you salvation. 
until we lose the joy of our salvation when we take our focus off the one who gave us salvation. I'm preaching and y'all don't even know. He says, you got to get your eyes back on Jesus. The second thing he says is not only do you need to see Jesus again, you need to see his mercy. That, that's a weird statement. See his mercy. He says there in that verse, focus back on his mercy. How does focusing on God's mercy help us battle through and out of discouragement? Well, what is mercy? Mercy is, it literally means that I don't get what I deserve. I can't get nobody happy about the fact that you didn't get what you deserve. Maybe y'all all been holy since you were born, but I got some news for you. I didn't get everything I deserved. I deserve destruction. I deserve pain. I deserve affliction. I deserve all that, but I am not discouraged. Why? Because I can trust His mercy. I don't get what I deserve, but but because I don't get what I deserve, I deserve to be punished. I deserve to die. I deserve to be judged. But because I don't get any of that, I can lift up my head and refuse to be discouraged because of His mercy. His mercies are what allow me to stay encouraged because I can keep a smile on my face and I don't have to feel discouraged because I remember and I focus on the great mercy of God. Let me break it down for you like this. When you examine culture and when you examine church and you think, man, it's bad. It's really bad. Then may I ask you this question? How bad would it be if it wasn't for his mercy? I'm encouraged this morning that that I, I feel better about my culture and I feel better about my church and I feel better about what I see in the mirror when I, re, when I examine it through the lens of His mercy that He loves me, that He loves us, that He loves our world so much that He extends His mercy, His mercies that should cause you to feel better. I don't get discouraged this morning because His mercies are new every morning. I don't even have to rely on yesterday's mercy. There's a fresh supply of mercy today day so I don't have to be discouraged because I focus on his mercy Uh, I, I just came to tell you that Jude wants you to know that if you would just see Jesus again you wouldn't get discouraged quit looking at your check account quit looking at your doctor's report see Jesus again he trumps all that Quit looking at the condition of our world and and huddling up in the darkness of your own house and saying, I ain't never going out again and I ain't letting my kids out until they're like 62 years old because I'm scared. And examine his mercies again and recognize that he loves us. But then he goes on and the last thing he says is, we got to see his coming again. If what we face today was all there was, we should be discouraged. But we must remember that there is a truth that we have seemed to forgotten, that we have seemed to forget, and that is simply this. Jesus is coming back, y'all. I can remain encouraged today because I recognize that as bleak as it may seem all around me, that's not the end of the story. I have flipped past Jude to the back of the book, and what I recognize is that at the back of the book, somebody wins. And by the way, newsflash, we're on the winning side. 
See, Paul chimes in and he says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. He got it. He understood what Jude was trying to say. He says this. He says, for instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not handmade. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move. And so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. Y'all didn't get that. Compared to what we're going to get, I can, if I'm not careful, I can get discouraged because living here is like living in an unfurnished shack. Then he says this, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetites by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. Why is it so important for us to get our eyes back on his coming? Because Jude understood and Paul understood that we can take, tr we can take courage because he will present us without fault. We have a hope. By the way, we have travel plans. I want to make an agreement with you, a covenant with you. When's he coming? I don't know. But when he comes, we go. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, I don't know. When the eastern sky breaks open... Sayonara. Catch you later. I'm out. That ought to encourage us. There is a hope. We have, we have a, rescue, a rescuer for whom we are waiting. Here's our problem. We have allowed the pendulum to swing way too far. We used to only talk about his coming. And so what we would do is we became escapists in our mentality. And I'll fly away became our anthem. And so we became no good here because we were only focused on there. And so we didn't care if everybody was dying and going to hell. Anyway, we're out of here. That's all we ever talked about. That's all we ever sung about. That's all we ever cared about. And so because of that, we knee-jerked, reacted, and swung the pendulum to the other side. So now all we want to talk about is how do I get ahead? How do I make friends and influence people? How do I have healthy relationships? How can you grow my checking account, Steve? Preach to me about how I can grow my checking account. Never recognizing that now we become so focused on the now now that we can't deal with what's going to happen one day and we've forgotten to focus. And so what happens is our head comes down and we only pay attention to what is coming on right now and what we're going to do this week and how am I going to make my car payment and how am I going to get my kids to act right and how am I going to feed my dog and how am I going to get my education and what job am I I going to take and who am I going to marry it and we forget that our life is nothing but a vapor it's here today and gone tomorrow and there is a greater day coming and we are supposed get this get this get this get this get this we are supposed to live with expectation It is difficult, listen now, it is difficult to be discouraged when your life is full of expectation. If we refocus on that day, then in what is happening today isn't so discouraging. There is a day coming 
We can't forget about it. And although it may look bad at your, at your work tomorrow, and although your family may be having difficulties, and, and you don't know what you're going to do, I need to remind you this morning that Jude says you need to focus on Jesus again. You need to focus on his mercy again. And you need to focus on his coming again and recognize that this isn't the only day, that there is a day coming. And our life has to be filled with expectation where we keep an eye peeled, recognizing that any moment. You know, it's getting harder and harder to get people in this day and age to get excited about Jesus coming back. And because of that, we become extremely discouraged. I don't know who you are today. I just know that what the Holy Spirit told me as I've been prepping for this whole series was that the day would arrive on this last Sunday of Hey Jude and there would be people under the sound of my voice that feel like quitting and feel like giving up. And life has stolen your heart and you really don't know what to do. You're not deceived. You're not distracted. You're not divided. But for some reason, you're discouraged. And you don't even know why. And I just came to remind you, you don't have to be discouraged. And you don't have to live defeated. And you can get your head up when you get your focus right. I want you to stand with me this morning. Father, this morning, I pray. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.